church, how are we doing? Hey, if we haven't met, my name is JP. It's a privilege uh, to be with you. If you're tuning in from somewhere else, Fort Worth, Houston, uh, anywhere around the world, El Paso, listening as you drive, man, we're so glad that you are with us, worshiping, diving into God's uh, word with us this evening. And so if we uh, are friends on social media or uh, anything like that, you know, last week was my son's birthday. So I have a son. He's six, year old, uh, six years old. His name is Weston. He just turned six years old last week. And uh, we, uh, last week was his birthday. And so we do birthdays big in our house. Anybody else do that growing up? Birthdays big? Okay. Good. Like five of you. And so... Um, and so he had a party. We went uh, to Nickel Rama. Anybody been there? Awesome. It's like an arcade here in Dallas, DFW. And uh, it's, you know, where it's like a, a nickel, basically, is a quarter. And we're cheap parents, so we went there. And, um, and so here's what that meant. Every day last week, he wake up, Daddy, it's going to be my birthday, you know. Daddy, I'm going to have a party. I'm like, dude, I know I'm throwing the party. I'm paying for the party. He's like, oh, and the, you know, the next day, Tuesday, it's, coming. it's my birthday. My birthday party's coming up. I'm like, I know, buddy. I know. Birthday party's coming up. And then, and then Wednesday, hey, my birthday, my party's coming up. It's coming up. I'm like, I know, man. I know. He's like, Who, let's, let's go through the invite list again. I'm like, well, you got your cousins and our friends. And anyways, and so just every, and then Thursday, hey, my party's coming up, you know. And, and if I'm completely transparent with you, like, this idea, he, he kept saying the same thing. I can't wait for my party. I can't wait for the party. And he's really describing me, like 16 into my young adult years. Like that's basically how I lived life. Whatever was going on, I can't wait for the party. Like that's who I was. It started in high school, you know. Uh, there, there was like whose parents are going to be out of town. That's, we're going over there. Right, that's we'll hang out at your place, or we would do uh, pastor parties. Uh, that's that's pasture parties, not pastor parties. Those are different things. Pastor parties, and and so we'd go hang out in high school, and then college came around, and it was phone parties, uh, frat parties, sorority parties. Who has the function? And then we'd get the fake IDs. We'd go to the club and the bar, and it was just like living for the weekend. In college, you you stretch out the weekend. It starts on Thursday night. That was college night. That's where the, the drink specials for the college kids were. So we go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? And then I, I graduated from college, moved to Dallas, and it was just more of this. I can't wait for the party. And I would sit at my desk Monday just thinking, can't wait for Friday to get here. Start with the happy hour, you know, and then, and then the, the happy hour, will, it will turn into evening, and then we'll go to this bar, it's kind of pregame, and then we'll go to this club. There's a club on Lower Greenville here in Dallas, like the bar scene was the Beagle, it's not there anymore, and, and it's just where my heart was. I moved five times all within one mile of Lower Greenville. And, I, and, and specifically at that place, my, my friend's sister was a bartender there, so I had this VIP card which meant you didn't have to wait in all the, the, the long lines with those losers. You could go around the side door, you know, and, and you didn't have to pay a cover and, and the guy would wave you in and you'd go in like a baller and you have this booth and, and it was just like that. We loved that place. It was our country club, if you will. You get the bottle service there, the setup there. And I, I wasn't a believer, like we don't know each other, like I wasn't walking with Christ in this time. But I, I, I remember the thrill of just thinking, man, I don't know what's gonna happen. You look forward to the weekend, and it's like, hey, we get a little, a little, uh, we get some drinks in us, 
You're dancing on the dance floor. Everybody's hot and sweaty. You're, you're dancing with some girl that you don't know. And even that's kind of fun and exciting. You don't know where it's going to go. She may go home with me. I may go home with her. I don't know. My, my friends may get in a fight. I might get in a fight. I just see that, that thrill of like, man, I just don't know. I'm just carefree. I'm young, wild, and free. It's funny because we went back down there. My family and I, we were uh, eating down on Lower Greenville two weeks ago and just driving through the parking lot. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that's where we, we got in a fight there one night. No, that's where I was with my wife. And, and, and I was like, that's, oh, that's where some girl tried to pay your brother to take him home. And, and oh, and, and that's where Travis got so drunk he jumped up on top of a Porsche. That was not a good night. And, and just like reliving these memories, they were like just flooding back to me from a time when I couldn't wait for the party. And I'm not here to tell you like, hey, I'm a pastor now. And I look back and it wasn't fun at all. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. You know, like I imagine heroin is so much fun. I mean, it'll kill you. But it's so much fun. It's got to be right. People give their life to it. And so I'm not here to tell you it wasn't fun. I'm here to tell you, maybe it was too much fun. Maybe it was, it was something like, like that whole idea of I can't wait for the party. Like what if I look back on those years and constantly go showing up Monday at work and I can't wait for the party. See, my whole life was passing me by. I wasn't living in the moment. I was just looking forward to the next party, the next thrill, the next excuse to do something stupid. Then what if my whole life was passing me by? And so we're in Lyrics and Lies, this new series. Uh, David kicked us off last week talking about you're perfect, just the way that you are, and how that music selling you that lie. And the scripture tells you something different. And tonight, the, the lie of, this, of the, the music that we grew up listening to is that life is found in the party. It's the whole like drug, sex, and rock and roll, if you will, or drug, sex, and rock star status. And so uh, I've got some songs I want to play for you. And so that's how I was, right? You know, Monday, it's the freaking weekend. I'm about to have me some fun. And that's why we go there, right? It's like I'm sipping on Coke and rum. So I'm like, so what? I'm drunk, right? I got an excuse now to do everything. Like some of you, you know what I'm talking about, right? And some of you, you're like, no, I, we can't do that in church. We're in church. Don't even, what are we doing? And I know you're so uncomfortable, and, and, and praise God for you. And so the lie, the lie is that life is in the party, right? And so the Bible gives us this social experiment with this guy that basically the, the reason that the Lord preserved this ancient text in Ecclesiastes is there was a man who had everything. Like he was complete and total rock star status. He had everything that you think you wanted on steroids, times a hundred. And this is King Solomon. And so it's really Ecclesiastes is one big social experiment where he's just basically saying, hey, I tried this to see if there was life there. Then I tried this to see if there was life there. And I tried this to see if there was life there. And I think that in the back of our minds, we all think, hey, if we had what Fiddy had, right? This is the lie. Like, hey, I want to party like a rock star. This is what he's selling. He's still, Post Malone's still selling it, right? Rock star, right? I'm popping pillies, you know? <laughs> party like a rock star, right? I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's still the message, right? And the truth is, if you can't wait for the party, if you're living for the party, it's going to leave you despairing, 
it's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you depressed. There's nobody that has continued to chase the party and found satisfaction. It hasn't happened. In fact, there's this one researcher from Sydney who studied 12,000, uh, 12, 12,665 popular musicians, rock stars, rappers, if you will, to see if their lifestyle actually shortened their life. Because that was a popular belief. Does it actually shorten life? She studied 12,665 of them. This is what she found. The average lifespan of a rock star was shortened by 25 years than the general public. The suicide rate among musicians that she studied compared to the general population was up to seven times higher, 700% more likely to commit suicide. The homicide rates among musicians are eight times higher than that among the general U.S. population. And so I want to look at how life is not found in sex, drugs, or the rock star status. We're looking at King Solomon. Post Malone actually wrote rock star about King Solomon. That was about him. No, I'm lying about that. That's not true. <laughs> he had enough sex to make Hugh Hefner blush, this guy. He, he drank enough wine. In fact, he owned the distillery. He owned the vineyard. He owned the brewery. That, that's this guy. Uh, he did, wasn't just taking shots of Patron. He owned Patron, this guy. He rock star status like Mick Jagger. He's the original Kanye, uh, Solomon. He's the OG Kanye. That's who we're reading about right here. And he says this. I said to myself, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness, and what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. And so my first point this evening is that life is not found in sex. He talks about pleasure. Life is not found in sex. Fiddy says, I'm into having sex. I ain't into making love, so come give me a hug. You're into getting rubbed. Ludicrous, maybe you heard of him. He says, I want to lick you from your head to your toes. And I want to move from the bed down to the floor. I think he means floor. <laughs> then I want to, yeah, I can't even read that. I'm just going to stop. But he wants to know your fantasy. He wants to know your fantasy. Solomon said, come now, and I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that proved to be meaningless. And so the problem with this, right, is, Experiencing pleasure will only leave you wanting more pleasure. Is that not true? Doesn't it just ratchet up a little bit every time? Like, uh, like you know this. Experientially, you know this. Nobody's ever experienced something pleasurable and like, okay, I'm done. I don't need that for the rest of my life. Like, like we'll just go tame. Like, you get a massage, maybe. Like, let's just, you get a massage, and it's a great massage, and, and you're done. And you're like, okay, that's it. I never need another massage for the rest of my life. Like, that was it. That was the best. No, a week later, you're like, dude, I got to go back. You get another one because it just ratchets up. It just leaves you wanting more. Pornography does the same thing. I, I say it all the time. It's the lie of one last time. You just fed something and it grew and now it's bigger and it's going to devour you. The club does the same thing. You, you love the thrill, the excitement, the fun of, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. And it just leaves you wanting more for the next week and next week. And you have to keep going bigger and better. And, and pretty soon it's like, hey, the, these clubs here in Houston or in Dallas or, you know, around, they, they, we need to go to Vegas. Because what happens in Vegas will haunt you the rest of your life. That's the truth. 
And, and I want you to know, I say it all the time, that sex is good. Sex is from God. God invented it. He made it feel the way it does. God, God inserted pleasure into his invention, his creation of sex. Like he did that. He put the nerve endings where they are. That was God's genius idea, but you need to know it will not satisfy you. It is not ultimate. And I know you're thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. You know, you're going to go home to your wife. The reality is if someone in marriage experiences intimacy often, like really, really often, that's 0.625% of their life in marriage. So of 100 hours, that's what they're doing for a half an hour. Right? So there's got to be more to marriage than that. Like nobody's doing it more. And that's where meaning was. Then who would have the best marriage? Like porn stars would have the best marriage. We'd be looking at them and say, hey, we need to follow their lead. They really got this marriage thing down. But that's not the way that it works. Because there's something so much more to God's gift of marriage than sex. Or intimacy through sex. I can prove it to you because Solomon, he has a harem. What a harem is, is a group of women to choose from. This is where it gets really weird with this guy. But I think this is why creator God preserved this text. See, he has 700 wives. He's a polygamist. And he has 300 prostitutes. They all live with him and they're all at his disposal. That, here's what that means is he can sleep with a wife two times a day for a year without sleeping with the same person. And then when he gets bored with wives, if he wants to go outside of marriage, he has 300 prostitutes at his disposal. He's not going to www. You know, he's not pulling up on his iPhone. Like he has the live-in pornography in three-dimensional image right there in front of him. It's crazy. And you think, man, but was, was, he, was he a Christian? Well, Christ hadn't come. Yeah, that's complicated, but, but here's the deal. He, he didn't know God, this was his downfall. I believe this is why God shows us this, because this is what ruined Solomon. This is what led his heart astray. He was not obedient to God in the wives that he took, even that he had more than one. So do you know, like, like I think we think, man, if I just had everything I wanted, I'd be happy. You know anybody that gets everything they want? They're dysfunctional. Usually they move toward a place of mental illness. They can't deal with society. They isolate themselves in deep, deep, deep sadness. But we don't learn that lesson, do we? Because you came in this room thinking, if I just had everything I wanted, I would be happy. Solomon wanted it, he did it, and he said it was meaningless. And we can learn something here, that it's empty. when we're constantly looking for the next time that we can experience pleasure to fulfill us, we become literally ill and we start chasing weird pleasures. And that's why we listen and laugh at things like Ludacris asking us what's our fantasy or 6ix9ine right now on the radio. And let me tell you what's gonna happen because I see it all the time and I love you. I love being here with you guys. I'm looking, I'm looking at you, I'm looking in your eyes and, and I love that God has you here this evening. But here's the way this plays out, and I'll just tell you, because I get to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of relationships. Dude looks at porn. He grows an appetite that's not just unholy, it's unhealthy. It's not that he wants sex. He, he wants uh, the craziest kind of sex. So he gets in a relationship with a woman. He convinces uh, her that, that he's good husband material. 
They get married. He has expectations of her that she will never be able to meet. That in fact, monogamy will never satisfy him because he's been training himself for variety since the fifth grade. And he's been able to dial up anything he wanted just by putting in a web address or a search engine request. And those expectations of that woman are going to crush her. And women, you guys can be complicated beings in the way that you think. And, you're, you know, guys are simple. Like, we're just kind of, I'll just say first person. I'm just kind of dumb, right? Like, just one A to B. Like, just simple-minded. But you guys, if, if, if something hurts you emotionally, right, you're not into it anymore. And then that guy begins to abuse you, but he doesn't even know that he is. He begins to manipulate you with his words, and, and you begin to endure some verbal abuse, but he doesn't even know that's happening. He's just following what he's fed his heart since the fifth grade. And I see it all the time. And I picked on the guys, but girls, you, you do the same thing. So many of you are addicted to pornography. You've been feeding your heart unnatural desires. It's been growing inside of you. And so what happens is girls tend to give sex to get love, and guys give love to get sex. And it's a really bad exchange because the love that you're offering, it's counterfeit. It's not real. You're like Fiddy. He's into having sex. He ain't into making love. He doesn't even know what love is, guys. He'll never experience love. He's going to die having never experienced love. And that's a really, really, really sad thing. And you know what we do? We let him teach us. We bob our heads to it. We let him be our instructor, feeding us lies. Solomon says, laughter is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? And then he says this, I tried cheering myself with wine, right? So now he's moving on to this idea of, hey, how can I experience pleasure? Like, I, like he's talking about laughter. I like laughter. I like funny people. Like if you're funny, let's hang out. Let's be friends, okay? Call me up afterwards. Like I, I love to hang out with people that make me laugh. But when laughter becomes ultimate to you, when that joy, uh, your emotions become ultimate to you, one, that's a sign of immaturity. But when you're chasing the next time that you can experience happiness through laughter, what you do is you begin to supplement it. You want to feel good. And so you get high, you smoke something, you snort something, you pop something, or you drink something. And then that becomes a normal part of your life. And so my second point is life is not found in the next high. Life is not found in the next high. Fiddy says, you can find me in the club, bottle full above. Look, mommy, if you got the, uh, I got the X if you into taking drugs. LMFAO says, party rock is in the house tonight. Woo. Everybody just have a good time. Yeah. And we're going to make you lose your mind. Everybody just have a good time. One more shot for us, another round. Fill up my cup. We don't mess around. I tried cheering myself with wine. Can I tell you something? I like a nice glass of wine. True story. Sometimes, not very often. Every now and then. In fact, this past weekend, my, my friend had a birthday party, and, and we went over. It was, it was a dinner, and they had an expensive bottle of wine in the middle of the table. I, wasn't, I didn't pay for it. I don't pay for it. But, but he did. <laughs> And so I had a glass. And can I tell you something? I think it was God honoring. Like communion. 
like fellowshipping with other believers, celebrating someone's birth, having a glass of wine. I don't have any problem with you have a glass of wine as long as you know what the scripture says about it. I don't think it's a sin. Not, that's not my message. That's not what I'm here to tell you. But I, you having three glasses of wine might be a sin. You needing a glass of wine might be a sin. You ever done that? You come home like, oh, rough day. I need a glass of wine. Oh, you need one? Really? Yo, you want to use it. Is that how you want to alter the way that you feel? You want to use that to alter the way that you feel? That might be a sin. That could be problematic. Let's talk about that for a minute, right? And, and so some of us, we move to this place where we don't even realize. And then people will say, well, alcohol is not really a big deal for me. Really? Then stop. Oh, uh, drinking drinking's not a big deal for me. Oh, it's not a big deal for you. Great. Never do it again. Because if that's hard, then let's agree it's a big deal for you. That matters. When something's not a big deal for you, you can just say, oh, I don't, I don't need to do that anymore, right? I'm, I'm done with that. And so I think the, the why is really important. And if you drink for a feeling, like if you don't want to go somewhere because the, there's not an open bar there, or you want to go there because there is an open bar there. Like, you, like hey, you want to go to this wedding? I don't know. Is there alcohol? And all of a sudden you're like, no, I don't really want to go. Like you might have a problem. Okay, you may need to consider that. Like that is something, an act of worship for you. And so here's four things that I think are really helpful directly from the scripture that, you know, you can drink if. And so you can write this down. You can drink as long as no one is offended by it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 8. As long as it doesn't cause anyone to stumble. It's Romans 14. And so that just means like if somebody's there and they're going to get drunk or be more inclined to get drunk because you're there, then you don't do it. If someone's there and they'd be offended by you drinking, then don't do it. Don't even consider it. As long as you don't get drunk, that's Ephesians 5.18. And as long as you do it for the glory of God. Again, if you're sitting there, that's, that's 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. If you can do it to the glory of God, then praise him. But if you can't, don't. Then don't, don't do it. And I'm just going to tell you that, that you going out there to, to, to drink so that you can do something that you wouldn't be courageous enough to do sober, that's not you doing it to the glory of God. That's problematic. Stop it. It's not God honoring, right? And can I tell you something? It's not an excuse. I was drunk is not a good excuse for anything. Like, I don't know when that became okay. Like all of a sudden your boyfriend cheated on you, but it's okay because he was drunk. What? Are you serious? Like is that what you're going to tell God? Like God's going to look at you in the face and say, hey, why didn't you follow me down there? Oh, man, I was drunk. Blame it on the alcohol. No, no. No, that's not going to go well for you. That's not going to go well for you. It's not an excuse and so let's be honest, so many of you get drunk so that you have an excuse to do things you don't have enough courage to do when you're sober. Let's learn from Solomon for a minute. This dude partied, okay? Like he partied more than any of you partied. That's the truth. Like he would have 15,000 people over for dinner every night. Uh, one of his parties he invited, this is straight from the scriptures, 1 Kings 4. He invites everyone in the kingdom over. That what he had for dinner that night, he served 22,000 cows. Not 22,000 fillets, 22,000 cows. This is true, literal story. Like this actually happened. I can't even get my head around that. And you say, well, why does that matter? Why would we know? Just so that God is showing you, hey, you never partied like this guy. And he's telling you it was meaningless. It is meaningless. And you say, no, man, you don't understand. 
understand, we partied big, JP, okay? Like, I was the president of my fraternity, and one time we got this keg, and Solomon's laughing at you. He makes your party, your little foam soiree, look like my six-year-old's birthday party, okay? And there was no keg there, right? It was like community and family and friends, and that's what he makes your party look like, and he's saying, hey, it was meaningless. There wasn't life there. It's going to leave you empty. And so you drink to try to escape reality, but the problem with that is reality is still there when you're done. And the problem with that, friends, is you never learn to deal with reality. Like, so, okay, he broke your heart. Now you gotta go get wasted. Really? What if you learn to deal with a broken heart? Because life is hard. And you know what people who get wasted to deal with broken hearts do? They grow up to be moms who get wasted to deal with broken hearts or hard days or rough days at school or when the kids aren't listening. That's what happens. That's where it ends up. Oh, nobody grew up and said, hey, I really want to be an alcoholic when I grow up. But so many people do. Why? Because they dealt with the breakup with a glass of wine. Two, three, four. Oh, you didn't think about that, did you? Oh, you didn't know that's where that goes. That's where that goes. That's where it leads to. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What if you took that breakup and you leaned into God and you said, God, I'm, 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 I hurt so bad right now. I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. I'm not going to want to get out of bed tomorrow. I hurt so bad. In fact, I'm tempted to go get high. I'm tempted to go get drunk. I'm tempted to go hang out with my friends and do something stupid. God, Holy Spirit, would you help me? What if you did that? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit in context? It's like, what, what, is, what does alcohol do? It removes your worries. It numbs you to life. What does the Holy Spirit do? When you trust him, he removes your worries. And he leads you to life. I don't know if you guys have seen, um, like, like this is always played out in movies, but like, like Limitless is one is a show in a movie, but it's, it's like this super drug that you, at first you think there's no consequences to it. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is there's always a consequence. There's always a hangover. Life's always waiting for you. Like, right, you pop X because you want to feel good. You do Molly because you want to feel good. And you don't realize it's draining your brain of serotonin. And then your brain's not producing enough serotonin. It's leaving you depressed or putting holes in your brain. Right? I mean, you like Coke, right? People give their entire lives to Coke. And, and I've sat with people right up here trying to tell me, no, but THC, it doesn't have drawbacks. And I would just say, you're a fool. You're a fool. Show me the last person that getting high made them a better follower of Jesus Christ. Show, like, I'd love to meet you. If that's you, I'll be up here afterwards. We can chat. He says, I undertook, verse 4, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. Okay, when he says he built houses for himself, like this dude, okay, like, like here, here's a picture of his house, okay. This is, that, that like every house that has ever been on MTV Cribs could fit in that house, all right. That is Solomon's palace. It, it, it took 13 years to build it. And you're like, well, that's just because it was a long time ago. No, no, no. It took seven years to build God's house, the temple, which was extremely extravagant. 13 years to build Solomon's palace. When he says he built houses, like it's, it's next level. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of trees in them, okay. He's like saying I got 
12-car garage, but only six cars. I made reservoirs to water groves and flourishing trees. Okay, he made reservoirs. Can I tell you something? Like, I got, we got a picture of the reservoirs? You know what's crazy about that picture? That's taken a day. You know what's crazy about this text? It was 3,000 years ago. His pools are still there. It's stamped geographically. This man actually lived. You can go to secular websites, search the richest man ever lived, and secular websites, which deny the Bible, will tell you it's King Solomon because his pools are still there. You could go to, uh, to Bethlehem, travel about uh, five miles northeast. You're going to see the pools of Solomon. What did he use them for? To water his vineyards, right? He had vineyards, gardens, like, like the arboretum, like the daddy to the arboretum, right? I know you got a succulent you're trying to keep alive. Dude had vineyards, vineyards, this guy. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I'm looking for satisfaction everywhere and I'm coming up empty. He's the ultimate rock star. Third point, life is not found in rock star status. I know Fiddy says to party like a rock star. We talked about what Post Malone says. Let me, let me tell you, there's this club called the 27 Club. Anyone heard of it? It's a very exclusive club. It's a very famous club. But it's not a club that anyone wants to be a member of. It is a, a list of rappers and rock stars who have died at the age of 27. There's a crazy amount of them. It's, Mac Miller just missed it by one year at 26. But the, who's on the list? Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. All died at the age of 27. Why? Because they partied like rock stars. They did what you think you want to do. And it killed them. Like, do you see why a loving father would sit up here and say, I, don't, I want something better for you. Like, I know that that's fun. I know it's fun. It's, it's Satan's fun. It's the enemy's fun. And you're going to get hooked to that kind of fun, and you're not going to be able to enjoy normal life. You're not going to be able to sit and be content at your desk on Monday because you're going to be looking forward to the party, and you're going to be dysfunctional, and you're going to be depressed, and you're going to have to take something to feed your brain, to stabilize the serotonin because you're constantly looking for the next party. And God's saying, hey, I don't want that for you. I want something better for you. And we all think that if we just had, you know, fill in the blank, that we would be happy. And none of us, we're, none of us are ever going to have more stuff than, than Solomon. And yet he says, no, it doesn't lead to happiness. He had the nice house, the vineyards, the gardens. He has 30,000 employees, 30,000 people that work for him. And he's not a company. That, that's like the amount of employees Tesla has. But he's a person. And they work for him. He has herds and flocks. He has herds and flocks. Like you've got a little Yorkie or a golden doodle. Like that's cute. He's got herds and flocks, this guy, right? And he's got singers. That's the, you know, that's this time's equivalent to the iTunes. So you've got like 7,000 songs on your iTunes. Like you've got the new Ariana, Ariana Grande 
album. Like, that's cute. Like, he's got Ariana Grande hanging upside down in his living room, like, singing to him. Like, that's this man. He has access to the actual singers. He has gold and silver. Verse 8, his income is a billion dollars a year. Not his net worth. His income, a billion dollars a year. That's $2,000 a minute. That's $2,700,000 per day he makes. $2 million a day this man makes. And he says, it's meaningless. It's empty. And maybe you don't want to listen to Solomon. Let me give you some other people to listen to. You could listen to Brad Pitt. He said to Rolling Stone, he said, man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us. The car, the condo, our version of success. But if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more impotence and isolation and desperation and loneliness? If you ask me, I say, toss all this. We got to find something else. I don't have those answers yet. The emphasis now is on success and personal gain. I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything I know, but I'm telling you once you got everything, then you're just left with yourself. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better, and you're not any better when you wake up because of it. As Brad Pitt says, Tom Brady, 2009, in a 60-minute interview, he has five Super Bowl rings, four-time Super Bowl MVP. He's married to a Victoria's Secret model. And he says, there's got to be something more. This isn't it. This isn't where life is found. There's got to be something else. Russell Brand said, you can't make yourself happy with the acquisition of material objects or even through romance or anything. Jim Carrey said, everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. See, those people... They're infinitely better off than you are. Not because of what they have, but because they know it won't bring happiness. And we still sit in a place where we don't have it and we think we're gonna work hard tomorrow for it. And we can't wait for the party this weekend. And they're saying, hey man, that's not it. That's not it. There was a, um, there was a club on Lower Greenville uh, called the Sugar Shack. Anybody remember the Sugar Shack? No. Good. And so it was there. It was kind of the hot spot. And, um, and this one particular night, you know, it's full, like past fire code. Everybody's in there. There's a DJ in there. Everybody's drinking, dancing, jumping up and down, jamming at the DJ. And, and what happened is the floor fell out. Yeah, it caved in. People got hurt, like fell from the second floor. And um, and it was kind of when God was doing a work in my heart and, and it ministered to me because I thought, you know, that's what we're doing is we're like partying, we're dancing, we're numbing ourselves, you know, we're, we're listening to songs, we're not even understanding what the words that we're feeding our heart are actually saying and it's like the, the, the door, the trap door is just gonna fall out. Like we're gonna dance all the way off the cliff. We're gonna party all the way to hell. You guys are gonna be like, why'd you do that? I don't, I don't know, God, I was drunk. Why, why didn't you pursue me? It was, it was fun. So life's not found in sex. Life's not found in the next high. Life's not found in being a rock star. And it's crazy because my story is I was at the Beagle 17 years ago. I was there. I was upstairs in this club, the one where I had the VIP car to, and I bumped into a friend from college, and, and I said, what are you doing this weekend? And she said, I'm going to go check out this church. 
I said, great, pick me up. She did. And I went in and I sat in the back row. And I just began to wrestle with, all right, I've always said I believed in God, but the truth is I've always done what I've wanted to do. I slept with whoever I wanted to sleep with. I drank whatever I wanted to drink. I snorted whatever I wanted to snort. I smoked whatever I wanted to smoke. I've never worshiped this God. I've always called myself a Christian. But I had to come to this place where I realized you're not a Christian. Like you can say you're a Christian, but you're not a Christian. You're not doing anything Christian. You're just saying you're a Christian. And I said, all right, well, I don't, well, who is God, you know? And I began to wrestle with it. I began to research it. Is, is it the Hindu God, the Buddhist God, the Jewish God, the Islamic God? I kept tripping over the character of Jesus Christ. And, and the beautiful news of the gospel that I don't have to pay for my sins because Jesus paid for my sins on the cross. And that, that he died for my sins and that God raised him from the grave. What Solomon is trying to tell you, friends, something really important, nothing in this life is going, nothing in this world is going to satisfy you. And if nothing in this world is going to satisfy you, he says specifically, nothing under the sun. If nothing under the sun is going to satisfy you, you have to go beyond the sun. There has to be something else out there. And can I tell you, you got to hear me on this. you got to hear me. Wherever you're at, you got to hear me on this. It is time right now, today, tonight, for you to begin to pursue God with reckless abandonment. He is the only thing. It says in Ecclesiastes 3, God has set eternity in our heart. You have a void, an eternal hole in your heart that only God can fill. And if you chase the things of this world, you're going to end up empty. You're going to end up empty. He said, verse 24, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see is meaningless, or this too I see is from the hand of God, rather. This too I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What's he he saying? Hey, he's saying, hey, Fiddy can gather all my stuff. And Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and 6ix9ine, they can gather up all my stuff. And you know what's going to happen? They're just going to hand it to the righteous. Those that are going to be with me in my kingdom forever and ever and ever. They can collect it here in their little 76 years or or 27 years, whatever they have. 26 years for some. They're going to collect it. And then they're just going to hand it to my children to enjoy it with me forever. See, I told you tonight that the life is the, the, the lie, rather, is that life is in the party. But the truth is that life is in the party. And, you know, the only party I know of that's bigger than the ones that Solomon threw is the one that is going to happen with Jesus in his presence. It's a party. This is the metaphor that we see in the scripture. It's a party. In Isaiah 25, it says there's going to be drinking and feasting, the best wine you've ever had. It says vintage. Can you imagine vintage with God? Like this is next level vintage. That's, but it's from the Bible. It says... There's music and dancing there. Luke 15, it says there's passion there, worship, Revelation 14. There's lots of people, but like it's friendships without flakiness or hurts. It's just like true love. Like you see him across the room on the dance floor, and it's not, it's not weird. Like he, he hit on my man or anything like that. It's like, oh, 
Like, how are you doing? Like, I missed you. And it's a reunion, like one you've never seen. This is First Thessalonians 4. Like your grandma, your grandpa, your great-grandparents, the, the ones that have gone before you, your parents, siblings. Like, you're all there together, the, the family of God. And it's this party, this forever kind of party, pure, unadulterated joy. A joy you've never experienced, candidly. The purest kind of joy. Like the most free anyone can be. No shame, no hurt, no sadness. It's a party. Live for that party. Like you, you go to bed tonight, you wake up tomorrow, you say, I can't wait for that party. How can I live for the, that party? And it starts today. You don't have to wait to be there, to live you know, filled with the Spirit. Holding this world loosely, knowing you're going to be with God forever, that that's all that matters. What else is going to matter 100 years from now? How many shots you took, if you had sex or not, who you had sex with, what you did, how much fun you had 100 years from now, what's going to matter? You know? Live for that party. Let me pray that you would. And Father, would you help us do that? It's so easy to get trapped by the worries of this world. You know that. You tell us not to. And Father, you're such a good God to us. You're such a good dad to us. It says in your word that you desire to give good gifts to your children. Father, would you give those good gifts tonight? I pray that, that you would show us that we've been worldly tonight, that you would convict us of sin tonight, that you would show us where life is found. Jesus, your son, he came, said he came that, that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Would you help us to experience the fullest life that we could have in him? Father, would you show us that now as we sing to you? Would you stir our hearts' affections for you, God? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.